three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Utley is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports on Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Mitch Trubisky has broken his silence about what happened here in Chicago. We'll break it all down in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Mark Potash, the Bears beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Talk with him at length about the Bears' new hirings of Brian Poles and Matt Eberflus, what to expect for the team come next year, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. And if you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. When you wrong somebody, chances are you're going to be caught. <laughs> you might feel invincible in the moment. There's no way they're going to get me, but you will be caught. Whether it's directly or indirectly. Take the Bears, for example. We had no proof that Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky didn't get along, but we saw by the way the games went. We saw by how they talked on the sidelines. We saw by how Mitch Trubisky was run out of town that there was a problem. And while mainstream media chose to ignore it or called me a conspiracy theorist, the fact is there was a problem. Didn't get along, didn't work well together, and Mitch Trubisky was run out of town. And don't get me wrong, I'm not a big Mitch Trubisky apologist, but it makes no sense to me that a guy with a 93.5 passer rating, 16 touchdowns, 8 picks in 12 games, deserved to be kicked out. Didn't play bad. Didn't stink it up. Did okay. Kicked out of town. That never sat right with me. I always blamed Matt Nagy. And now after this past year, we know it was Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was the issue. That's why he got fired. And ever since he's been gone, now, new information's being shed to light. Finally, we waited long enough. We deserve an explanation for what happened, and now we're getting it. I came out a couple of weeks ago and gave you the bombshell news, according to Kevin Fishpin and Adam Johns of The Athletic, that essentially Matt Nagy sabotaged Mitch Trubisky. Now, for the first time since leaving Chicago, Mitch Trubisky has commented on that report on what happened here in Chicago and what his plans are for the future. Tell me surprised 
I'm surprised it took this long for him to say something. And I get it, probably fearful of his career and what Matt Nagy could do. But now we have proof. Now we have news of what he said. Mitch gave an interview to the Buffalo News for his thoughts regarding the apologies from Clark and others about what happened. A couple of analysts on ESPN apologized, saying, oh, it's not Mitch's fault. Matt Nagy was the one, obviously, with how he treated Justin Fields. Trubisky's response to the apologies, quote, I don't know, I'm not sure. It doesn't necessarily bring me peace because I'm not where I want to be yet as a player, and I just believe it was kind of just part of my journey to where my career is going to go, so I haven't really thought about it too much, honestly. He also noted that things may have been happening, quote, behind the scenes when Nagy was coach that the public may not have been privy to. Another quote, but I think that's something people just realize with time. It's never exactly how it seems, right? Like, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that people don't know about or people don't see. So to hear those apologies, I didn't really know what to think of it. Besides, it was it was a little too late. Like, it was already over for me. It's already in the past. So there's really no point for me to think about it or stress about it. He took the high road. And that, to me, tells me all I need to know about who he is as a person and a player. I would have had a much different response, personally. And you all know me especially if you watch me, I'm not scared to voice my opinion. I would have had a completely different response. I would have come down and roasted Nagy for what he did. If this was my career and I was sabotaged by a certain head coach, you better believe I'd say something. Mitch didn't. Goes to show you his character. He was run out of town. Sabotaged on the field. Taken out for virtually no reason. And all he says now is it's in the past. Let's move on. Stand up, guy. I wish he would have said more. I wish he would have come down and berated Matt Nagy for what happened, but he didn't. Meanwhile, Matt Nagy is silent, which I find a bit interesting, don't you? You'd think if you were a coach, you'd want to defend yourself when all these allegations come out, not just from Mitch Trubisky, but Alan Robinson. He's not saying a word, as far as I know. I haven't heard any response from Matt Nagy in the news or on a podcast, wherever it might be. Interesting. I get it, it's time to respond, but these are pretty serious allegations, right? I mean, we're talking about blowing off meetings, hindering players' development, and apparently it doesn't matter enough to make a comment. That says one of two things. One, he's working with a PR team to help him craft a good one or two. It's true, and there's nothing really he could say. Why not come out and at least refute it? Say, well, that's not the full story, or that didn't really happen. Nothing's been said. There's been silence on Matt Nagy's part. Silence in this case means you were complicit. Means it happened. Means you're guilty. Until I hear otherwise, you're guilty. There's nothing to be said. And look, I'm not a lawyer. And I don't want to make this more than what it is. I'm sure there have been tons of times where we've seen coaches and quarterbacks sabotage one another. Look at the Arizona Cardinals and Josh Rosen. I'm not saying Josh Rosen's a great quarterback, but he was sabotaged. There was a rookie, rookie head coach, Steve Wilkes, defensive guy, didn't work. Rosen was permanently broken, traded away, they brought in Kyler Murray, and now Rosen's career is back up at best. Unfortunate. I never liked Rosen anyway for his comments before the draft, saying I should have been number one, I'm better than all the quarterbacks chosen before me, obviously not, but... He was sabotaged by Steve Wilkes. 
You'll hear players defense Steve Wilkes, but these are defensive guys. Charles Tillman, defensive guy. These are people who know him for his defensive-mindedness. When he was a head coach, he sabotaged a quarterback. So I'm not saying this stuff is new or this is a bombshell. But all it does is justify and indicate what we've been talking about for the past couple of years here in Chicago. I find it wrong that no one's talking about it. I don't know. To me, this is pretty important news, wouldn't you say? And again, in any other market besides Chicago, this would literally be front-page news. Literally front-page news. I know newspapers are dying off, but you know what? When that report came out about Matt Nagy and Mitch, you would think somebody big would pick it up. Instead, it was in The Athletic. wasn't front-page news. Nobody else took it and, and ran with the story. Everybody was silent. Why? I don't get it. And as I said before, and I'll say it again, why'd it take so long? We got people here on the beats. They report every day about everything that goes on with the Bears. And this was before the coronavirus. Two, they had locker room access and nobody said a word. Why? Look, I get it. You're scared of losing your press passes. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to be a journalist. A journalist reports the truth, no matter what. A true journalist, at least. I would have gladly lost my press passes to tell the truth. And that's why, as much as I'd like to be credentialed, I also wouldn't. I tell you the truth here. There's no muzzle on me. I don't have to worry about, oh no, my credentials are going to be gone. I'm telling you exactly how I see it. What I see here is a miscarriage of justice in the NFL for Mitch Trubisky. I want to say this, too. I'm not saying he'd be a top-10 quarterback. He'd be an elite quarterback. I looked up his numbers yesterday just to take a look. 2018, that great year he had, 95.4 passer rating, 15th in the NFL. I've said multiple times Mitch Trubisky, with the right coaching, with the right scheme, with the right team around him, would be the 15th to 20th best quarterback in the NFL. To me, not a bust. That is not the definition of a bust. What he did in Chicago should not make him a bust. Highest rated pastor in Bears history. That should tell you a lot about Bears history, but still, it doesn't make him a bust. Now we have news. Now we know there's proof. And here's the report. And get this, too. Get this. Here from Outkick, a report about the Bills general manager, Brandon Bean, he commented on Mitch Trubisky and his future. Quote, if anybody calls me about Mitch and another team, I'm going to give him a great recommendation, and I've told him and his agent, if he doesn't get what he wants, we've got a spot for him. So obviously, he made a good enough impression in Buffalo to stay. They're not running him out of town. And I get it, not a starter, different story, but still. He obviously is competent enough to hold a roster spot in the NFL. They liked him. And he tore it up against the Bears in the preseason. You could say what you want about the preseason, but guess what? If he did bad, would have been talked about for weeks here in Chicago. See, we told you. See? No. He tore it up. He looked great. Rabinsky said about the Buffalo offense, it's a lot less restricted than what I've been in in the past. 
The quarterback has a lot more freedom to make checks, go where he wants with the ball, exploiting matchups and getting the optimal play for this team. So it's been a really fun offense to learn. I feel like it's really quarterback friendly once you get it down. Article goes on to stay too with a dual threat element. In the 27-year-old's arsenal, may not take long for a team to get Trubisky another crack at a starting job. I know Mitch Trubisky somewhere will be competing for a starting job in 2022. That's just a fact. You could laugh, you could deride me, you could say, John, you're crazy, you don't know football. It's a fact. A lot of teams are quarterback needy. Buccaneers, Washington football team, or Washington commanders, Denver Broncos, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, four teams right there who actually really need a quarterback. Potentially Green Bay, potentially Minnesota. New Orleans, too. There are a lot of options for Mitch Trubisky to resurface and get another shot. I think he deserves it. The fact is he was sabotaged, though. And that's my problem. It's my problem with this whole thing. You can say what you want. I don't want this to turn into a Mitch Trubisky bust or not argument or the Bears made a mistake, Ryan Pace made a mistake. I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm here to talk about the fact that no matter what you think, whether you say good or not, whether you say bad pick or not, whether you say bust or not, you have to acknowledge he was sabotaged. Proof in the pudding. And for him to come out and say it's in the past, let's move on, great character on his part. If it were me, I would have been much more pissed off. He kept it short, kept it sweet. And at the end of the day, was happy in Buffalo for the year he was there. And now chances are he will be a starter somewhere. If not a starter, he will compete. And then we'll know. I mean, seriously, then we'll know whether he's good or not. Let's see him in a good system with somebody who doesn't hate him. Somebody who doesn't want to sabotage him, see him fail. Then we could talk about whether or not he's a good quarterback, whether or not he deserves to be in the NFL, whether or not he was a bust of a pick. But to be the highest-rated pastor in Bears history and to be sabotaged simultaneously, that does not mean you're a bust. Gotta stop saying that. I don't care if you don't like him or not. The fact is, not a bust. This was a great point, too. A lot of people have been asking me, why are you still talking about Mitch Trubisky? Look, right now, there's nobody better for the Bears. I want Justin Fields to be better, but the fact is, after last year, not better yet. So until I see Justin Fields put up insane numbers, which could happen next year, realistically, I'm not going to sit here and just go all out about Justin Fields and forget about Mitch Trubisky when he made real contributions. He did make real contributions. Statistically, he did. That's not a controversial opinion. I know nobody's going to like me for that statement, but it's a fact. He made real contributions to this team. Mitch Trubisky. Sorry. Numbers don't lie. This guy got a raw deal here in Chicago. He did. Highest-rated pastor in Bears history. Somewhat consistent. I mean, consistent enough to be a 15 to 20th best quarterback. He was sabotaged. He was thrown out of town. And everybody blamed him. That's what I find funny. Everybody blamed Mitch Trubisky. There was so much, and there still is, so much hatred about Mitch. 
but not enough hatred about Matt Nagy. That's true. When I made the Mitch Trubisky video a couple of weeks ago about the big report coming out, there was more hatred there than about Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is the one who sabotaged him and Justin Fields. And Justin Fields. Why is that the case? There's a reason. Nice to see ESPN apologize. I remember, and I'll, I always say this, last year, draft. They did a big opening for the draft. And they were saying, oh, some quarterbacks you pick could help your team, and some could set them back. They show a picture of Mitch Trubisky. Are you kidding me? Set him back? He didn't set the Bears back. Matt Nagy did. That's an inaccurate statement to make. This is the stuff I don't like. And this is why when you come to this channel, you're going to hear the truth. Nobody else is covering this story. Nobody else cares. I care. And some people do care. There are segments of the Bears population, Bears fan population, who cares about this story and who will watch Mitch wherever he goes next. I know I will. I want to see what happens to him. And I'm genuinely curious. Was it his fault? Was it Nagy's fault? We'll find out with a new coach and a new team if he starts. But more than anything, this story has to be brought to light. If nobody else is willing to cover it, if nobody else cares, I will. What did I say to open up this show? If you wrong somebody, chances are at some point, it'll be exposed. You're not invincible. Matt Nagy was not invincible. Bought him one more year. Then he got fired. Well, everybody wants to keep quiet about it or talk about it. It's the right thing to do. This isn't me being a Trubisky apologist. This is being forthright and honest and trying to serve justice when justice wasn't served in this case when it comes to his career and his future in the NFL. There will not be radio silence about Mitch Trubisky here. If there's more to this story that unravels, I'm going to report it and tell you about it. It's the right thing to do. It really is just shocking to me. You know, shocking that it came out, of course, but even more shocking that nobody cares. Now oh, move on, right? Move on. Justin Fields is here. Move on. New coach, new GM. There are still loose ends that need to be tied up. There are still explanations that we are owed as Bears fans, as people who cover and follow this team. If you give your money to the Bears in any way, whether it be merchandise or tickets, you deserve to know how this story ended. How every story ended. Everybody made a big deal, and rightfully so, a couple of weeks ago, when Olin Crude said the Bears offered him 15 bucks an hour to beat some offensive line coach. You kidding me? He's an alumni, made millions of dollars. He's going to take a $15 an hour job? Oh, that's minimum wage in some states at this point. That was a big deal, rightfully so. That happened 10, 15 years ago. Nobody said, oh, it doesn't matter. That's why this matters, too. You deserve to know the resolution and how things end. We're not just going to forget about something because it isn't convenient. It isn't cool to talk about. No, we're going to talk about it. Just like the rumor that Matt Nagy might have been hired by Detroit. If Matt Nagy is hired by Detroit, <laughs> oh, boy, you better tune in. We are going to do a huge video. 
I might break my shit. I might punch a wall in my shit by the end of that video. We're not going to forget about something or forget about other people when they wronged somebody and they weren't held accountable. Matt Nagy was never held accountable. He got fired. Okay, sure. Made millions of dollars. For a year, was told it was Mitch Trubisky's fault, not his. Had the media on his side. And for those who say, oh, he's a great guy, this doesn't sound like a great guy attitude to me. He might have been nice to some people, not to everybody. And again, I get it. There are some bad things said inside locker rooms. Believe me, I know. I've played baseball for years. I've almost played college ball. I know. But at the end of the day, the way things translated on the field, the way Mitch Trubisky was treated on the field, that's inexcusable. And the same for Justin Fields, really. And for him to go out there in his debut game as a starter and get sacked nine times by the Browns, are you kidding me? Yeah, way to protect your brand-new quarterback. I mean, what a jerk. Really, what a jerk to do that to Justin Fields. And everybody forgets about that game, and I get it. I mean, he had some good moments, but let's remember that, too. Not his fault. Let's remember what Matt Nagy did to him, what the Bears did to him. Then they wonder why they never get great players to come to Chicago. Well, look what you're doing. You're hurting a brand-new quarterback. You ran out your other top pick. Allen Robinson isn't happy, and he was sabotaged, too. When there's a pattern of sabotage to your own players who are either trying to get paid or trying to put up good numbers and win, yeah, I don't blame other players on the outside looking in for not wanting to come. (laughs) Why would I come here if I know this is how the organization runs and this is how it operates? So that's an overarching issue but needs to change. Hopefully it will. Hey, new coach, new GM, I'm at least cautiously optimistic. New assistant GM, brand new position. I mean, that's great. I want to see results, and I would just hope, and I'm pretty confident at least this will happen, there won't be a repeat of Matt Nagy-type football. I don't expect Eberflus all of a sudden turn into Matt Nagy, sabotage his players, have problems with them. I don't. I'd be shocked. Same with polls. we got to hope for the best here, but I won't be forgetting about the old regime and what happened. You shouldn't either. And if you want your news about it, because no one else is going to talk about it, come here. And I'll make sure that you're always informed. And you know exactly what happened to those guys who hurt other players and made this team go into the ground. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Mark Potash comes up next, so stay tuned. Chicago. Here with John Zaglula, and we have Pat Gambretti for today's special guest. He's the Bears beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, and he's covered Chicago sports for 30-plus years. Please welcome Mark Potash to the program. Mark, it's great to have you on. How are you? Thanks, John. I'm doing great. So what did you make of this whole Bears hiring process? Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles now here in Chicago. Well, I've been around long enough, John, to just kind of feel like this is uh... – kind of a same old story, not that it won't work out, but we've seen these things so many times and I, I, so many times and I I keep, I keep saying when I see all the reaction, it's like, it's like, you know, act one, scene one, act one, scene two, you know, the, 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 you know, talking to the coach, uh, talking to the people who know the coach, going to the coach's hometown, 
all these things are so almost like perfunctory to me that I'll be honest, I'm, I'm probably not a great guy to talk to because I'm kind of jaded at this point. And I'm really, uh, I give them every chance. They have every chance to succeed as anybody else. But uh, the, the history I've seen with the Bears, especially since the McCaskies have taken over, says that, you know, it's, it's almost like uh, throwing darts against the board. How did you evaluate the search process? I know they invested help in Bill Polian, and, you know, supposedly polls went against him when it came to the head coaching hiring. Do you think he helped, or do you think they went about this the right way? Well, they went about it the Bears' way, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I really can't say too much about it, you know, other than that it was just it was a Bears production. They brought in somebody who actually Bill Polian, just by his resume, is better than Ernie Accorsi. That's a That was a great start. Um, how much they relied on him, it, I don't know. It, it seems like all the time, it seems more and more, it seems like a, George running the show. And the history is that, you know, his judgment, not very good. And, and so um, I'm not sure. I, I am dubious of the process, to be honest. Um, not that they didn't do the right things. They cast a wide net for both searches, at least certainly for the GM search. But they ended in a hurry. They only interviewed, they only interviewed one GM for this, as a finalist for a second time around. That's, you know, I trust the Steelers to do that. Maybe even the Broncos, but I don't trust the Bears to do that. And so that, that, that raised some eyebrows. I think they even had two, uh, Austin Fort and Elliot Wolf schedule that they declined. Which, you know, when, when somebody says, we know our guy when we see him, like I said just a second ago, I, I believe other teams when they say it, but the Bears don't have any right to really to, to, to say that or to believe that. So I'm dubious of that. And then the process by which uh, Matt, uh, by which Ryan Poles um, hired Matt Eberflus, uh, also a, a, also a client of Trace Armstrong, just a lot of red flags there. To be honest, on the surface, that doesn't mean they can't they can't succeed. It doesn't mean it can't be Jerry Angelo and Lovey Smith all over again, or Bill Belichick for all we know, as far as defensive coaches. Um, uh, you know, so so it can't happen. I'm just curious about the pro. I'm dubious of the process, and I think that's a fair criticism with the Bears because they don't have a very good record of judging people. This is, you know, they the, the look at the look at the five people they've hired beforehand <laughs> for GM and coaching positions. Not that they weren't good people, but they didn't work out. And a lot of that is because they hire good people, but these people kind of just kind of get uh, consumed by the dysfunction at Hell's Hall and just become what I call a lesser version of themselves. And I'm I thought Ryan Pace wasn't, wasn't a good evaluator, but you know, with the Saints, he has a hand in in in, uh, in in finding Drew Brees. With the Bears, he thinks uh, he, he thinks Mitch Trubisky is the, is the answer. You know what went wrong? You know we're, that's the kind of thing that happens. And so I'm not saying that Matt Eberflus cannot succeed or Ryan Poles, but I'm just like I said, I'm dubious of the process that got them here uh, because of their past history. And I saw your press conference question. Great question that you asked. Why stop the search with Eberflus? Why did Poles just all of a sudden? know that that was his guy when there were other guys that the Bears could have interviewed a second or third time. And again, his response was, I found my guy. And this is a guy who's never been a GM before. He's never hired anyone before. His, when I asked him, you know, what, 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 what interviewing hiring process have you been through that leads you to believe, trust your intuition? Um, and all, and he, he, his response was, well, I've interviewed players for, you know, uh, you know, for the draft or whatever. And that's fair. I mean, that, that's an interviewing process, but that's not a hiring process. You're not on the hot seat. You know, it's, it's not the same thing when someone else uh, is going to pay for your mistake. You know, it's like, it's like I can pick games like crazy when it's not my money, you know, on, on the line. When I go to Vegas, all of a sudden I'm nervous. My mind turns to mush and I can't pick a winner for nothing. 
you know, so, so that, so, so I guess that's really the question. I mean, this guy, he, you know, he's impressive. He, he might, Ryan Poles might be very good. He might be the answer, but I'm saying what, based on the, what, based on what you've seen about the bears, what are the odds of the guy who's never been in a management position before, never hired anyone before all of a sudden he knows after one guy walks into the room, that's his guy without looking at other guys. He might have, including Eric B who was with him in Kansas city, Dave told people he knows. Um, I'm just, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just dubious of that, and and so I think, and that's fair. That's fair uh, to push back against that is is kind of ridiculous. I don't think, I'll, based on what you've seen from the Bears over the last 10, 20, 30 years, you really can't. You, all you can say is, you know, you're right. How much time do you think they get compared to Nagy and Pace and previous regimes? How much time will they get? Yeah. Well, that's that's actually an interesting question because um, I, the tendency is to be patient. But there's a cumulative effect that we've seen uh, here and that, you know, people are not if this does not work out well early, people are not going to be happy and they're going to show it. I really feel like they're going to, you know, they're going to show it by not showing up and just they're going to hear it. So um, I think they'll get a fair I think they will get a fair amount unless things like go totally off the rails, which I don't think they will, like like it did with, with Tressman and Emory in 2014. But no, I'd say the usual three to five years. I mean, uh, you know, three years for the coach, five years for the GM, at least. Uh, pretty standard. But um, again, uh, never underestimate uh, uh, Hallis Hall dysfunction and what it can do to coaches and, and GMs and just everybody who walks in that building because the history of it the last 30 years since, you know, since the Ditka era ended is that, you know, it just hasn't been very successful. Where should this team be in three to five years? Where, where do you think would be a good about to gauge how they've done well they well it depends now one of the key factors is who's the quarterback in green bay and uh you know that is a to me uh that is a huge factor in the success of any bears coach any bears general manager is how bad are the packers so that's one <laughs> that you know that's one this team should be con- competing for could, should be in the playoff picture uh, on a consistent basis. And that's the whole key. It's not just, you know, in one year of, of Nagy, they were a playoff team and looking like they were going to have a good run, but they can't sustain anything. The key is for the Bears to do something that they have not done since Ditka in the 80s. And that's not just getting successful, but sustaining success. So really where they're going to be in three years. I mean, I appreciate the question, but the bigger key is where are they going to be in six years, eight years? <laughs> Will they still be contenders? Because the Bears, that I think that's been the, where the frustration is. The Bears have been successful. But, and again, that's kind of a point I've made about just the whole McCaskey thing is every single regime, even the most successful ones have been disappointing to some extent, even Ditka, the great Ditka regime, they went to one Super Bowl. They had the, one of the best teams in NFL history, one of the youngest teams in NFL history with the one Super Bowl. And that is as the McCaskies began to take hold of the organization after the death of George Hallis. Lovey Smith had two great years in 05 and 06. It faded out. Uh, and, and Lovey is the most successful, since Ditka, the most successful tenure, which frankly would be the least successful tenure for, for and it's the least successful nine-year period for any Packers team in, in the last 30 years. <laughs> so, and, 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 and also uh, even, even Nagy had the great year with Vic Fangio and uh, the great year in 2018. But again, it ended in disappointment, not just that year, but they couldn't sustain anything. So I'm looking at it from frankly, from a bigger picture. Uh, and that's it. Not how, not how quickly can they be contenders, but how quickly can they sustain success? Because frankly, they just haven't had any 
since the 80s. And like I said, even that ended with, you know, a lot of people, even Ditka, when we talked to him at the at the, the, the 100th anniversary thing says, you know, unprompted says, yeah, sure, we didn't go to another one. But, you know, acknowledging the fact that, yeah, the, like I always say, the, the bear, the, the Ditka bears are known for going to the, for going to the for, uh, Super Bowl, but only going to one. So, so I don't mean to harp on that, but I'm just, my, my point is sustained success, I think is the biggest key for the Bears. Not getting there because they've gotten there under previous coaches. Why is this the Bears' M.O.? Why has it been this way for the past 30, 40 years in Bears history? Well, I just don't think the McCaskies are very good, uh, are very good managers. I think, I think they, they are bad at uh, football and they are bad at managing. And you can't be bad at both because there's a lot of ownerships that don't know anything about football, but they do know how to hire people. They even the Glazers knew to hire, uh, 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 or, or at least knew, to, you know, knew to get J- I guess Jason Light, who who hired Bruce Arians, who, which which helped them get uh, uh, Tom Brady and, and won them a Super Bowl, and they won two of them. And they don't know anything about football, but you got to know how to manage people. You got to know how to manage situations, and the Bears constantly, consistently do not. They always have these embarrassing fiascos, like yeah, even just last year with the Thanksgiving Day uh, report, uh, the news report about. Um, you know, that, that Matt Nagy would be fired and uh, was fired and would still get the coach game. You know, instead of instead of just refuting that right away, a report that could easily be refuted without people wondering what what is the real truth, they let it fester. And that those little things contribute to dysfunction that take a franchise down. And there have been many more episodes I could point to. But th- that's why it's because they're. they're like I said, you got to be either good at football or a good manager. If you're good at both, it's great. But you got to be one or the other. And they're neither. Mark Potash here on Did Sports Talk. Did that answer your Talk. question? Oh, that answered my question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Mark Potash here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, how'd you value by Justin Fields rookie year? Uh, uneven, I guess. Uh, un- uh, unimpressive, I guess. Whatever the word is for it, doesn't give me the impression like Justin Herbert did last year that he was about to explode. Uh, that would that, that was a disappointment. Not that he wasn't good. I wouldn't expect him to be good. But at least show me signs that you were managed, you were coached well enough that you're ready to take off. And now they're kind of back at square one. I still think he can be as good as people think he he uh, can be. So I'm not giving, certainly not giving up on him. But that was disappointing the way the whole thing was managed uh, from the beginning. And I'll admit, I, I'm on, I'm more on the side of Nagy in that respect and Pace. I just feel like they got stuck where they they hired they 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 promised a starting job. Uh, to Andy Dalton before they knew they were going to get uh, uh, Justin Fields, and that boxed them into a corner. Because yeah, sure, not giving uh, uh, not giving Justin Fields you know a fair shot that's a bad thing. But you know, promising a a veteran a starting job and then pulling the rug out from under him that kind of that kind of thing is a bad, leaves a bad taste in people's mouths. So that gets around the league too. That's not an easy thing to reverse for them as it, as it would be for us on the outside to say, oh, just give. Just give Fields a starting job. Just let him just get let him get first team up. So my point is they were stuck there. And that was, you know, that was a tough break because there's no way Andy Dalton would have been signed, I think, because he wouldn't have taken a, a, a you know, he would not have taken a, a competing role. He wanted to be a starter. And so anyway, that's a, an old story, I know. But 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 they kind of they kind of got stuck there. So. You know, that, that's where they were. So I think Fields starting clean, I think that's the best thing. I, I agree with everybody at the press conference that Fields, you can just tell by his, I don't know if it's body language or what it was, but just the feeling that he's really looking forward to a fresh start. And um, and I think that's going to help him. And just by being the number one quarterback, I think that will, uh, going uh, that, that just puts him on a more standard uh, uh, route to success. 
than where they were last year. How concerning were the turnover numbers to you in his rookie year? Could that be correctable? Well, yeah, I think that is correctable by putting him in better situations. But, um, but yeah, that, I think that is concerning because, and not to get too far off the track, but I'll tell you the truth. The biggest thing was his injury fit numbers. You know, he's supposed to be Russell Wilson. That was one of the big comps, I think, for him. Russell, well, Russell Wilson's one of the toughest, and tough, yeah, he's tough. He gets up. But toughness is also not getting injured in the first place. You know, that's Russell Wilson. They need Russell Wilson toughness from this kid. And, uh, and that remains to be seen. But And that kind of goes hand in hand with the turnovers is that uh, he was put in bad positions where he's getting hit, where he was not comfortable. He did not have a comfort. He was not in a comfort zone. I think that was pretty obvious. Uh, and I'll be honest, I'm only saying I hope that when he's in a better comfort zone, he has a more normal or better turnover rate. But I'm I don't know enough about the game, about playing quarterback, to know that that is absolutely true. How do you think he progresses this year? Well, you know, that's tough because we don't know how much of a transition it's going to be. You know, we, you know, again, uh, you know, act, act two, scene one, he's learning a new language. It's like learning a new language. Get ready for that one. Uh, so we don't know how much the transition is going to be. Uh, if it's if it's if these guys are on their game, if he's well coached, I expect him to, to make uh, 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 I expect him to make a actually a big jump because I'm a bigger believer in what the Bears have, uh, even on offense uh, right now than most people. I think I think um, I think people are down on the Bears talent uh, because this this offense made everybody as bad as they can be and showed you the worst version of every player from the left tackle to the left guard. To, to the right guard, the right tackle, the wide receivers, the tight ends, everyone looked worse. So I think they have more talent. So I think, and if I'm, I could be wrong. In fact, in fact, Ryan Poles could prove me wrong in a month by getting rid of a, by doing a total overhaul. He might see it totally different, which would be fine. But I'm saying is right now, I think, I think there's more talent here uh, on offense. So what my point is that I think there's a bigger chance. This is not the overhaul that that, uh, that even Ryan Pace had when he started and got rid of all those best offensive players. I think he'll, I think if he sticks with these guys, I think that'll give, um, that'll give fields a better chance to succeed, succeed. Um, because I, I just feel like, you know, he's got better talent around him. I just think they were putting really bad in a really bad offense. Who, who would you say is a part of that talented group? Like I know Alan Robinson may not return. Are you talking about Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet guys like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, David Montgomery, Cole Komet. Uh, but not only that, but not only that, uh, I mean, guys like Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. Cody Whitehair had his worst year of his career. He's 28, 29. You might think, well, it's over. And maybe Coles will pull the plug. He could. He was a, he was a, uh, a, a Pro Bowl player as an alternate a few years ago. And he's, a, he's really dependent. He's a guy you plug him into the Chiefs offense, you can win the Super Bowl with him. I would argue that. James Daniels, plug him into the Chiefs offense. And he, all of a sudden, he's not the, he's not the you know, the dead weight that, you, that he might look like in this <laughs> offense. Um, Allen Robinson, if they, and who knows what will happen. Maybe, maybe, you know, this, his gripe was with, was with the coach and the GM and they are both gone. Maybe he, you know, he's a guy who, he, he has no problem playing with developing quarterbacks. He has no problem playing in, in developing offenses. So it's not like he wants to go to Green Bay, you know, or he wants to go to the Rams. He, he's more than happy. He's, he's shown in the prime of his career, he's been more than happy to play for Jacksonville and Chicago. Maybe he comes back. He's another guy. He's, he, would be, he would be exhibit A of a guy who's going to be so much better 
in 2022 than he was in 2021 because that was one of the biggest red flags of the of the Nagy offense than, than anything. So yeah, um, yeah, all all those guys um, and go through the you know the offensive line. I think will be a real big key. I think that's going to be that will tell you where Ryan Poles thinks. Now he's an off he's an offensive line guy, and that will tell you because the offensive line is the one thing that some people could tell you they should totally start over. I can make the argument you have four guys in place. Your left tackle is a first is a first round caliber player who was drafted in the second round. Who you feel like you know the you know Tevin Jenkins. It, there's no we have no evidence that he's not what he what he was. Like I said about Whitehair, Whitehair was is a is a Pro Bowl caliber player at his best and still not too old. Uh, James Daniels, a free agent, you got to sign him, but he's their best offensive lineman, certainly a Pro Bowl caliber guy. And Larry Borm is an interesting guy who I you know. Just by the eye test, he was less of a of a of a problem than than Charles Leno has been in some of his best years. You know, when Leno makes a mistake, you always saw it. It was one of the problems with him. You know, as good as you know, as good he was for so but Larry Borum, just watching, even if he made mistakes, you never very rarely did you look at him get sacked and look back and you see Larry Borum's number. You know what I'm saying? It just I just feel like my point is you could argue that they have four pieces in place for their next playoff offensive line. Okay, they got upgrade center. You could also argue that they need to start over totally, which could be. So my point, my point there is that I think Ryan Poles will determine really wh- where they are talent-wise uh, by because of the offensive line, and I trust his expertise in the offensive line. With all this being said, what's your expectation for next year? Maybe a way too early expectation, but what's your expectation? Well, um, I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I do a weekly uh, a column. Um, uh, on the you know on the very first and ten at the end of each one I do something called the barometer where I pick the the Bears record in season you know how they're going to do and I did the last one I did I think I had them like ten and seven for 2022 that was before they had even fired anybody I don't I can't remember but anyway my point there is I, I, I'm more optimistic than most that they have uh, that they have uh, the makings of a playoff team already on their roster if things click. And if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, that's another factor. So, um, I, yeah, I don't see this as uh, this, this, like I said, Poles could make this a rebuilding year in a hurry. Uh, but uh, I could also say that uh, um, given the landscape of the, of the NFC North with, uh, with Minnesota also in transition, the Lions still the Lions and, uh, and the Packers possibly certainly starting over at a couple of coaching positions, they're going to have transition no matter what. Um, I think uh, I think the Bears at least have a chance. They have the makings of a team that can at least be in playoff contention even next year. And it might, I know that sounds like copycock now, but uh, things change an awful lot in the NFL. And never try, I say I always say uh, you know never underestimate the, the mediocrity of the NHL uh, of the NFL. So uh, things can change. So I guess I'm more bullish than most. Um, not so much on I can't predict what the coaching staff will do, but just the fact that the way things go in the NFL. I feel like things, good things can happen uh, to this team. And, and don't forget, you got the quarterback. That's a huge X factor. If he becomes a star, this, this, if this coaching stuff is for real, the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, well, then it's a new ball game, right? Even with this, maybe people disagree. I'm saying, even with this supporting cast, it's still a new ball game if, if, uh, if Justin Fields becomes Justin Fields. Well, that calms down the cynicism a bit. At least there seems to be something going in the right direction for this Bears team, which is good. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm certainly. I'm not down on them. I'm dubious. <laughs> like I said, I mean, I don't trust. I don't trust them to be the team to do that. But I'm saying, I, I don't think that they're that they're dead in the water for next year. It's one thing. You, this, 
the, the biggest of the great starting point is that, uh, you know, Fields is, even though he didn't really show much, uh, even by the eye test, he's, he's a much better starting point than Trubisky was for Nagy in 2018. More to come with Mark Potash in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Mark, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, your career. How'd you get your start? Uh, let's see. How did I get my start? It was a long time ago. I've uh, been 40 years in the business. Um, uh, I did a real standard route. I went to a good journalism school at uh, Missouri, and I uh, had friends who were ahead of me and got helped get me a job. Get me jobs. So I started working in Little Rock, Arkansas, and. And when I started, I thought I was like beating the bushes. You know, I was from Chicago. I thought Little Rock was small. But as it turns out, that's like starting in double A. I mean, that was really a fortunate <laughs> thing for me. Uh, and then I worked uh, for three years at the St. Louis Globe Democrat. And uh, that paper folded in 1986. So I was kind of without a job. And I started stringing for Taylor Bell, who was a you know high school, the, the high school guru at the Sun-Times. And again, I'm from Chicago. Sun-Times has been my papers literally since the day I was born. So uh, that was my first inclination was to try and hook on there. And um, next thing you know, uh, you know, I was full time in 1990 and, and have been there working my way up ever since. And um, it's uh, it's been a great run. How different's the landscape from 1987 to today? Well, it's totally different, especially now. It's changing even more and more now. Um, uh, just in, in, in a lot of ways, the access is totally different. Uh, athletes are different. There's social media now. You know, I, I, I grew up in this business in a day, believe it or not, where even professional athletes needed good pub, you know, to further their careers. And certainly high school kids did. And so I covered a lot of high schools early and that was it's always a big advantage. It's always great to talk to people in my business. It's always great to talk to people who want to talk to you. And there's, we get that fewer and fewer, less and less. That's always a big difference with high school kids. But even with the Pro guys in the early days of my career, like I said, you, I still need a good pub. They needed a good story on them. They need that made a difference, you know. Getting to get some in the paper to their career, their post career, uh, whatever they wanted to do, and they they need frankly they needed us more than they need us now. They don't need us at all. They they literally can have their own website. They can do you know we're we're uh, we're just we're just not a, as valuable an entity to athletes, teams, whatever. So it's a lot different. It's a, the, the landscape, frankly, is a lot different. Um, if it was like it is today, I never would have gotten into it. I'll say that. It's just too different. It's just that. It's just a lot of guys who grew up with it, they're happy with it. They're fine with, uh, you know, the way, especially now in COVID, with the, the, you know, the COVID where, where there's no locker room access, there's very few one-on-one -on -one interviews. Um, and that might, the scary, scary thing for our business, that might become the norm. We're waiting to see how that happens. We're kind of fighting against that. But um if it's, if it's like it is now, it's just all uh, podium press conferences. And those are not really good press conference, uh, you know, interactions. Those are not good interactions. It's just too, it, it gets, it gets athletes scared. They feel like they're on state, literally on stage um, on T it's like being on television and there's a nervousness there. That there's, it's not as, there's not as much casual access as there used to be. And I think that has made the job a lot less enjoyable for people like, like me. Do you really think that's going to be the norm if you had a guest today? No more locker room access, more press conferences and limited access? 
I don't know if it, it all depends. You know, I really don't know. I, I see it tr trending that way because there aren't enough people. There aren't enough, uh, let me, what's the best way to put it? Uh, there aren't enough Prince of Mucamaras who, who, would, who would go out uh, and, and, and tell their teammates, hey, no, we need to have people. We need to have reporters in the locker room. We need that kind of that kind of access, interactions. Because I think, I think some people do enjoy it, but there's fewer and fewer. I'm talking about the athletes. But there's not enough of them. There's too many others that just, you know, they just can't. You can see it on their faces when we walk in the locker room that they don't want us there. So I think they will win the day. And, uh, and that would, I would, if I would, I, I, I guess I'm just a pessimist, but I would predict it'd be more, it'd be closer to that than, uh, than the old days of, of open locker rooms and with people in them. That's the other thing you gotta remember last few years, even before COVID open locker room was not what you would, not what it sounds like. So, um, uh, so, so that part has changed too. So yeah, I see it going at least trending, certainly maybe not absolutely when COVID is, is done or, or diminished uh, the COVID effect. But I see it going more the way it is now, and it's um, almost anybody in our business would agree that's that's really not a, a great development. What's been your favorite locker room interaction with, with a certain player over your time covering sports? Well, that's a tough thing to answer. I'll tell you the truth because I'd have to think about over forty years, <laughs> um, and, and I can't say I, off the top of my head I'm real bad at, at, at off the cuff like this, so it's hard to say. But the the best interactions are conversations and. We used to be able to have conversations with people where there would be give and take. I remember talking like one time to Akeem Hicks, who's a real personable guy. And we were, I remember we were talking about, oh, him signing, about him signing with the Bears. And, and he's a guy who I really admired because I thought he was a, an interesting guy because he signed with the Bears when they were very formative over the Patriots, who were the, you know, the team you want to play for. Even Prince told me once. Yeah, everybody, you know, I'm just like, yeah, everyone wants to play. Yeah, you know, I want to play for the Patriots. Everybody wants to enjoy that. Well, he chose the, the so we were, anyway, we we're talking about like, sometimes that happens and, you know, real well, the, 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 the other team didn't really want it. Well, he, he was explaining to me that, yeah, no, the offer he got was actually a really good offer. And, and he, and, and Belichick made a point of calling him uh, a personal phone call to get him back. So anyway, we were having a conversation about this. And then as I announced, I felt like he was kind of rushed or he had to go or whatever. I said, okay, I'll let you go. He said, no, no, I'm enjoying this conversation. And he wanted to keep going. And, and that's the kind of conversations that we, that might be, that was a few years ago. That might be the last time I've had a conversation like that with somebody. <laughs> but those are the kind of instances, those are the kind of interactions that, that I think any of us in, in our business really treasures. And I think everybody would agree that there's just not that many of those. We just don't get as many. And those, so it's not, it's, it's at, that's why the Zoom interviews are so bad, because you'll notice they're answering the question to get to the next question. You know, they're not trying to have a conversation. And our business is all about one-on-one -on -one contact, uh, conversations, really getting to know people. And, and that's, that's what I miss the most. I, I forgot what your question was. I hope I answered it. Oh, you Sorry. did. You did. No, no worries. And one more question before we finish up. What's the toughest press conference question that you've asked before? Well, the, uh, the toughest one, I think, was... Um, was that when the when the when the when the Blackhawks uh, had a uh, press conference, the uh, when Patrick Kane was had uh, sexual assault uh, charge against him, and so they still had him playing for the team because obviously nothing had been determined, um, and, and so they had a press conference at Notre Dame. They had they had, they opened the training camp in Notre Dame. I think it was in 2015 or 2014, 
And so they had him kind of face the music, but it was a really awkward press conference. If you, I don't know if you remember it, but a lot of people will. It was a really awkward, it was, a, it was like one of the first missteps uh, by John McDonough, who was a, like a PR maven. And he had this thing where he like totally was, was totally off his game. And like, it was, it was a PR nightmare. So anyway, um, one of the issues I thought was, you know, Pat, Patrick Kane, whenever he, uh, whenever he was in all these, whenever he's in the newspaper outside of hockey, it always has something to do with drinking. It's the fact that he's always drinking. So I, I asked him, I didn't know how else to answer it, ask it. I just said, are, are you going to give up drinking? <laughs> so I, I'll be honest, it was uncomfortable. I think it was a fair question because I think that's the root of a lot of his off the ice incidents. I think that's proven. And um and I guess some people had a problem with it because it was excusing his behavior or whatever, whatever. Anyway, as far, when, I go, when I think back of the awkward things that I've asked, that was the one that got, I think, the most attention um, because I was kind of nervous and I didn't know quite how to phrase it. And I, hopefully I did the best I could. But also, I just the other day, to tell you the truth, at the press conference that, um, that they got kind of uh, criticized, I guess, when we were talking to, to Ryan Poles about, you know, his, what, you know, what, you know, about, about the process and so I, I so I asked him if you could have uh, if you could have had an extended process would you and he you know came back at me and said yeah I, I, I was I was given that opportunity and I found him pointing to Eberflus and um, and I, that was an, that was a little awkward to me because Eberflus was right there but that was the Bears fault for having concurrent press conferences that was <laughs> another bad PR move the, the, the GM of the team who's on a different level than the coach should have his own press conference. So by putting the coach there, it kind of put him in an awkward position and not saying that he should, and it wasn't that insulting because I wasn't saying that, you know, would you not, have, do you wish you would have hired somebody other than Matt Eberfuss? But no, would you wish you would have had in your first job ever hiring people? Do you wish you could have interviewed more than three people and, and you know, and, and found more than one guy, you know, you're just, you know, had your one guy. So that was really the question. But anyway, that was another one that, oh, and that was only because of social media um, kind of got tagged a little bit. Um, and uh, that kind of sick the, uh, the, the, you know, the Bears Kool-Aid drinkers on me, um, which I regret, but uh, that's, that's, that's part of the job. How much flack did you get for that? Do you, do you try to ignore, uh, ignore it? Like when, when somebody comes after you in social media, do you just ignore it when you ask a question like that and people are all over you? Yeah, I'm incredibly sensitive to it, but I also ignore it. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't bother me uh, because it does. In this case, it really didn't bother me because the one thing, and it was, in fact, a couple of my friends in the business actually kind of got, you know, you know tagged me on a, in a tweet, which kind of got everybody on there. No big deal. I mean, that, 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 that's fine. Um, but, but what it was, was I, what I noticed was all the blowback, as best I could tell, were all these fans who, just did not want you to, 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 to question the process whatsoever. Whoever they hired is going to be great. How dare you, you know, how dare you question them? And like, they're the people who like were probably cheering when Matt Eagles said, no applause, you know, they would, they want, you know, and so my, I guess my, I don't want to make a bigger deal about that than, than, than it was, but it, I did get blowback on that. But my, my, my point is that I, that, that blowback didn't bother me because it was so compartmentalized. It was just one group of bears fans who just, do not want to question any process. And no matter how many of these guys fail, like I said, Phil Emery, Ryan Pace, Mark Tressman, John Fox, Matt Nagy, no matter how many times, they, for some reason, they have like no memory and it like everything starts over. And I, and I just, I disagree with that so vehemently that, that I'll be honest, that blowback did not bother me at all. And I did not really even uh, respond to it. Um, 
because I thought, you know, it was an awkward question and, you know, maybe I don't know it was the right or wrong. I don't know. I thought it was the right thing to do. Mark, I fully agree. That's why I asked you to come on. I know, you know, we've been in contact before, so I'm so happy you made the time for me. Uh, one of my favorite Bears reporters, because you always do tell the truth and you're not afraid to mint your words of what other people have to say. But I really appreciate you coming on with me today. Thank you so much. Well, John, thanks. Like I always tell Sylvie, whenever he gives me that compliment, I always say, I am afraid. I'm, a, I'm, terif- I'm terrified of asking those questions, but it's my job. I do it anyway. I muster up the courage to do it, I guess. But anyway, thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. A great job. You do a great job. I've seen these before, and, uh, and I appreciate you having me on your show. Great talk there with Mark Potash, and that'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Mark Potash himself, Matt Fubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, Tomorrow Entertainment. For making this show a success, remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. If you want to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. Another great show comes you with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. And so long, everyone.